When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Hello, Chris Evans here, and this is the best of the Breakfast Show podcast with Sky from Virgin Radio. Coming up on the show, Virgin Radio's very own Graham Norton joins us live from Turin ahead of this year's sure-to-be-fabulous darling Eurovision Song Contest. Scottish superstar Emily Sunday chats about her brand spanking new album, Let's Say For Instance. TV and radio presenter Mylene Class flicks through her new book, They Don't Teach This at School, and the repair shop's very own Jay Blades takes us through his wonderful new autobiography making it how love, kindness and community help me repair my life. All of that and so much more to come. So Dapper Day, pray tell, who's first? He's the king of weekend airwaves and outrageous European pop wouldn't be the same without him. That's right, the Eurovision Song Contest final is live on BBC One tomorrow night at 8pm. And here to tell us if the UK will be up in Space Man or down at the bottom with Neil Poir, man, is Virgin Radio's very own Graham Norton! Good morning, Graham! <laughs> oh, good morning, everybody. Hello, 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 hello. Um, so a bittersweet morning this morning from, a, from an Irish point of view, from an Irish slash Eurovision point of view, Graham. Yeah, poor old Brooke. Uh, she didn't get through last night. Um, and some terrible things did. I mean, that's always the shocker that, you know, you, you got to think, you know, only 10 get through out of the 17 in the semifinals. But uh, yeah, keep an eye out for Estonia. I mean, it's one of the worst things I've ever seen, but it got through. <laughs> but there you go. <laughs> Any explanation as to why, perhaps? Well, I mean, I think it is that thing. I mean, a staging is is really important. And... And, and, you know, Brooke's very young and it's a big, big stage. It's kind of what happened to our guys the last few years. You know, when you see them by themselves, you kind of think, oh, actually, that's OK. And that song's quite nice. But when you put them on that big stage with all these other people, they get lost a bit. And I think that's what's happened to us. And that's what happened to Brooke last night, I, I think. Now, I have an audio. I didn't see it last night, Graham. Uh, do forgive me. Um, I have audio of uh, Brooke's performance, and it sounds pretty cool. I mean, here we go. This is, I mean, it sounds like, you know, Brooke is actually doing all the right things, but you would know better than I. Uh, let's have a quick listen. See, now, could you, with your past, your wisdom, you're now uh, plentiful wisdom as far as Eurovision is concerned, would you not be called as a mentor to, to Ireland's entry in the future? And, you know, backstage, bit of coaching, bit of... <laughs> <laughs> um, I, well, I'd have told her not to wear those blue boots. They look like they came free with a fancy dress outfit. Yeah. Uh, it, <laughs> the whole thing, her outfit had a whiff of Debenham's closing down sale. Uh, so, and, you know, and she's cool. She's a young, cool kid. And they dressed her as a kind of, I don't know, slutty bridesmaid. And it was, yeah, it wasn't great. Okay, so that... I, I think lessons to be learned. I All right. Say. Okay. Uh, Graeme, you sound very cool, very relaxed, very in the moment as always, um, which is your u- usual modus operandi. How is the vibe in Turin? <laughs> well, I don't really know yet because I've, I've just been stuck in this strange hotel uh, <laughs> since I got here. Uh, I, when I arrived, I arrived, I arrived at the airport, and I like this. I was met by wheelchair assistants. Oh. <laughs> I, 
I thought, oh, did they see the pictures of me in the mail after the BAFTAs? But I, I don't know. But uh, there was a wheelchair waiting for me. I'm not that old. Did you take advantage I, of the wheelchair? Fine. Or did you offer it to somebody, you know, more no, needy, needy of it? No, I didn't. I I, I, I said thank you very much, but I, I'll use my legs. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking and here. I got through that way. Uh, Graham, the out and out favourites, uh, you know, I mean, basically they've already won for obvious reasons. Um, is Ukraine at uh, four to eleven or eleven to four on, as one might also uh, say at the bookies? The thing I would say about Ukraine, the the, the thing obviously there's a huge emotional outpouring about Ukraine, yeah. and people will be voting with their hearts. But also, it is a great Eurovision song. So even if you know if the world was the way it was a few years ago. Ukraine would still be doing very well. It's it's not just about the situation in Ukraine. It's also a great, great song. Fortunately for Ukraine, uh, they're in that position, and that's all. That's absolutely 100%, more than 100% wonderful, million percent wonderful, and beyond. Uh, but unfortunately for us, this year we would have been favourites otherwise uh, at six to one. Um, is that a real? Is that a you know? Is that um, is that a believable stat from an odds point of view? A second favourite, six to one for Sam Ryder. Um, who knows? Look, I think. <laughs> I like the way we're now upset we're not going to win. It's like, come on, guys. We've been at the bottom of this thing for the last two years. We got no points the last time it was Eurovision. So I think left-hand side of the scoreboard is a win. It's, it's great. And what's brilliant, you've met Sam, Chris. You've had yeah. him on your show, and you know what he's like. He's such a ray of sunshine. He is so positive. And what I love about him is that he's kind of flipped the whole competition on its head, and he's not... He's not getting kind of bogged down by where he's coming in the competition. He is just having the time of his life. He's really enjoying it and using it as an amazing kind of shop window and opportunity the way you should. So whatever happens tomorrow night, I think he will be fine. And he is doing an amazing job. He's like we went into a lab and created a Eurovision entry. Yep. He's terrific. I, he I'm so impressed by him. Super cool. And um, how are you? So uh, you've done this before. How many years now? And how does your your own sort of experience of it this year uh, compare to the first time you ever did it, for example? Well, it's nice going in with a, a song that you think will do well. That That is a perky feeling. So it means I won't have to... I mean, because it is difficult in the scoring. Like, you know, last year or the year before when we are doing really badly and, you know, you're only broadcasting to the United Kingdom, it is, di- it is difficult to keep your spirits up. So hopefully uh, that won't be a problem tomorrow night. But this is my, I don't know, I've been doing this in 2009. Right. And I think, I think in the years I've been doing it, we've only been on the left of the, of the scoreboard twice. So uh, come on, Sam Ryder. <laughs> Do it for Graham, um, if nobody or nothing else. Uh, where do we have to be to be on the left side? We have to be in the top what? Uh, uh, 12, I think. 12 or 13. Okay, surely that's got to happen. We'll see, we'll see. Anyways, tomorrow. Uh, with I know, that doesn't, that doesn't sound hard. But like I say, we've only done it twice in the last 13 years. Yeah, it's your fault. It's ever since you've been hosting Blimmin Eurovision. <laughs> Yes, blame me. Yeah, I shall. Uh, Graham Norton live from Turin. Thank you, Graham. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Woo! <laughs> thanks. Emily, how are you? I'm very good, thanks. How are you? Oh, my goodness me. You didn't leave anything on the pitch there, did you? <laughs> yeah, just leave it all on the table. <laughs> how is it? How's it for you? Yeah, lovely. I'm really enjoying playing today. Thanks for uh, having us. Thanks to the band as well, guys. Round of applause for the band, everybody. Um... <laughs> 
Smashing it this morning. Is this the earliest you've sung this loud ever in your life? Yes, I believe so, yeah. Um, what time did you have to wake up to warm up? Um, it was a 4am wake up today. 4am. But we got there. I saw you having your makeup done lying down. Yeah. That is a good It was luck. necessary. I know. Have you ever done that before? Um, it looked like you had. This week we started it because it's been quite busy. Really? But yeah, big up Charlie for that. Thanks. Oh my goodness me. Uh, you seem like a really happy gang. Yeah, we're having a lot of fun. We're going on tour soon, so we're really excited. Yeah, and, yeah. is it Monday, isn't it? Yeah, Monday we're starting in Glasgow. Okay, if you want to go and see Emily Sunday, tickets on sale at emilysunday.com. Talking about Glasgow and Leeds. This is in May in Digbeth and Manchester, London, Glasgow again, Leeds again, Manchester, Birmingham. Then off to Europe. Yep. <laughs> how, how do you fare? Like a good wine? How do you travel? Um, I, I try and be classy, but you know, yeah. <laughs> a few days on the tour bus, then that goes out the window. Tell us about, people don't get this. You know, I've tour bus, oh, clearly the band, <laughs> the band are like, oh, the tour bus. I can hear your <laughs> thoughts. I can feel the quickening of your heart and the cortisol now riven in your veins. It's not at all as glamorous and rock and roll as people think really is it i mean it's pretty it's cool i mean i like being on it because it rocks you to sleep the vibrations of the bus bus are really nice well you say that i mean some people can do the tour bus sleep some people can't i can't do oh, that i, I couldn't master can, it yeah you can i love it that's because you're an honest soul yeah really yeah i think so there's peace at the center of emily sunday um million miles from medical school yeah, that far from there now. <laughs> was it three years at medical school for you? Um, I did four years. Four yeah, years. And then came here, started writing for people for a year, and then thankfully got signed. And uh, yeah, here I am 10 years later. Um, 10th anniversary this year, is it? Yeah, the first album. Congratulations, Thank well you. done. Um, is it true that you did write songs, you know, whilst sitting in lectures and things like that? Is that... My mind would definitely wonder, and on the side of kind of the notes, I'd be trying to rhyme stuff. And so at that point, I thought maybe I should try and follow this dream a little bit. Do you bit. have any of those original lyrics still? Um, there might be somewhere. in my parents' garage somewhere. Yeah, I might ask them to dig them out. What else is in your parents' garage? Oh, what a the lot memorabilia? of stuff. A lot of junk. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, and here we are, 10th anniversary of the Olympics, just with that happened just down the road. Yeah, that was an amazing time. Yeah, I mean, you were, you were at the opening and closing ceremony, weren't you? Yeah. Did anybody else double up that you can recall? I don't think so. I don't think it was even planned that I was going to be, I was just asked by both teams. So yeah, yeah it was an honour to be there. That was so magical, wasn't it? Yeah. That was what the calm before the mad storm, yeah. uh, which has been, you know, been sort of everything and continuing uh, that happened after it. Uh, just let's get back to basics there. Brighter Days. Mm -hmm. um, there's the title. Um We've heard the sentiment. Mm -hmm. what, is, what is it about for you, that song? Oh, uh, well, we made this song. We just wanted to give a bit of hope, a bit of music that's uplifting. You yeah. know, it was the first time I'd been back in the studio. Um, I was there with Ollie Green, who produced it, um, and Moises. And we just wanted to do a song that would bring people together. You know, we didn't know if we are going to get to perform live again, but we thought if we get to, we want to write a song that would be perfect for a live performance. Isn't that crazy? So you genuinely thought, will we ever be performing live again? Yeah, I genuinely thought, I would have to kind of retrain into something else wow. or go back to school or something because you couldn't perform live. You couldn't really do anything. So I just feel so grateful now. Every time I get to sing, be on stage, I'm just, I don't take it for granted. You know, we had our festival, uh, like we've got them again this year, our festivals, um, Car Fest, North and South and other festivals that were involved in, in fact, one this weekend, Pub in the Park, uh, down in Marlow, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I'll never forget that first, because so, so our first festival um, took place on the Thursday 
after the Tuesday that the government lifted all um, uh, sort of uh, lockdown guidelines as far as live events were concerned. Mm, okay. And we, we, we built it anyway. It, took, it was a six-week build and we were taking a chance and we thought we've just got to go for it. Yeah. You, know, I'm very, you know, we were very fortunate it paid off. But that weekend, you know, there were tear, every almost every performer, mm. especially Rag and Bone Man, cried through their first two songs. Yeah. They couldn't hold the tears back. You know, and it seems like that, that sort of gratitude is staying with them it's sticking around yeah absolutely every time i'm on stage it's just because at any minute hopefully not it could all be taken away again yeah. so i think that's the biggest lesson i've been taught be in the moment be present and just be grateful that we're all together yeah now we know don't we yeah now we know like our parents knew before us but we hadn't experienced it because exactly. until you have till you've been there until you felt the pain you don't know what the pain yeah. uh, feels like so let's say for instance is the title of the album Tell us, because that's a, that's a funky title. Yeah, thanks. I'm not sure what it means. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me a bit more about that. Um, I just wanted to try and encourage people to imagine, you know, often it's hard to get out of, you know, negative thought patterns until you say, well, let's say, for instance, it's not as bad <laughs> it's as you so think. Cool. It's let's so say, for instance, you know, there will be brighter days, all of yeah. that. I want the listener to finish the sentence themselves. Well, let's say, for instance, mm -hmm. um, you know, just picture if you just take a second. Yeah, I love yeah, it. Exactly. I love it, Emily. Yeah. I love it. Thanks for being here this morning. Thank you. Uh, you're awesome. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. From Radio Play with Hearsay to present day presenting on telly and radio, she can do it all and then some. Her Tip Top Tips for Life book, They Don't Teach This at School, is out now. And here to tell us all about it is a class act by name and a class act by nature. It's Mylene Clark! Yay! Mylene! 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 Just me then? <laughs> Seriously. Uh, how are you, Mylene? I'm very well. I like that intro. Yeah. Class. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, make the most of them, because you've been in this for a long time now, haven't you? Three and a half years. Well done, pal. They're awesome. Uh, Mylene, what a book. What a Thank great book. You. Congratulations. Thank this is, you. It's, just, it's fun. It's useful. It's got form. It's got function. It's got pickies. You know, it's lighthearted. It can get a bit serious. Um, it's this book of... Um, things that we all need to know because along with your publishers our very own HarperCollins here in this very building uh, you have discovered that 82% of adults would like to know more things that uh, they haven't uh, sort of had passed down to them via uh, their education or their, their generations I just think it's one of those things you know when you're just you know sitting with your friends and chatting about I don't know the PSI on your car or uh, <laughs> what you do in certain situations. I don't know how many times I've said, I wish they taught this at school. I yeah, just yeah. wish I knew this because my daughter's right in the middle of uh, her exams and the stuff she's looking at, I mean, it's admirable, but I don't remember when I last used trigonometry or the cells of a plant, uh, but I do remember, in fact, when I had to just go and unblock the drain. So just little things like that that are super should handy. put it on the curriculum, shouldn't they? Just I totally two, agree. That's a whole other hours. story. That's two a story. hours a week you know of stuff that's fun well my, my own kids teachers have brought the book which just shows that we're working hand in hand on this but yeah. they recognize By it the way, too god bless all the teachers Absolutely. Um, they don't set the agenda they just have to fulfill Absolutely. the agenda but there's stuff in there like you know for cpr first aid but basic first aid if you 
do a survey of the room. How many people would be able to, you know, to perform CPR or just even know what to do if someone fainted? Yeah, and it's, it's scary. already it's already saved a life. This book hasn't saved it? Saved two lives saved already. Two lives. Tell us about yeah. that. So, um, my daughters and I, we made some TikTok videos, like condensed version, sixty second long of, of of what's in the book. Right. So everything from knowing your toolbox, the difference between a flathead and a Phillips screwdriver, and changing a light bulb, all the way through to how to perform CPR or if someone's choking. And my two choking videos were watched one for a baby which then went on to save a baby wow. six months uh, seven months old and um, a gentleman watched one of my videos um, and he saved his wife she was choking on chicken I put his letter to me in the book I was so moved that it, it was something that had just triggered a memory in him and just just you know just he knew what to do in that time and that's yeah. often the time when you panic it's a, it's just a great book body and soul chapter one let's talk about chapter three but for example you know let's talk about how how best to talk about things how to talk about basic finance you know yeah, my, massive. Da- my dad passed away when i was 13 right and I, so i didn't get yeah, those hand-me-down yeah. financial skills how to keep you know my accounts i talked to paul about it a loads, of mine. loads of adults don't know loads of adults even now get really intimidated by talking about finance yeah. uh, and tax and the breakdown of uh what goes on you know in in, in a family household so what I do with my kids is we have pasta pieces penne if you're interested <laughs> we, I divvy up the pasta as money and I get them to pay it into a pot so I'll say right give me a tax so they put in the penne give me your mortgage or rent they put the penne in the bowl now we're going to divvy up gas electricity house insurance uh, school uniforms food and it goes on and on and at the end they're standing there with their one pasta piece and I'm like welcome to my world <laughs> bienvenue <laughs> Uh, how to take a compliment. We all like to feel accepted and valued by our peers, but sometimes taking that compliment that we've been hoping for is one of the hardest things to do. Um, I learned that in America, where someone will say, that was really good, and you'll go, no, no, it was nothing. And they'll say, oh, okay. And then you don't get the job, because yeah. it, was, it was nothing. And it's actually it's quite a powerful thing just to say, mm, thank you. Yeah, I tried really hard at that. Thanks. Know your way around a toolbox. I mean, you just mentioned flatheads and Phillips screwdrivers, isn't it? Yep. For everyone who knows about it, because you would think, oh, but surely everybody knows about that. But the point is, no. you know, there's somebody who always knows something you don't. Everybody's better at something than you at least one thing. You know, just, just you know... Um, well, I'm talking on the Phillips screwdrivers. Actually, it's interesting because I did put up a post on my Insta about, you know, knowing your way around a toolbox. And one guy just was he said exactly that. Everybody knows this. Yeah. So you're teaching the basics. Just so patronising. And I put it in is I've worked with charities. It's quite sad where a lot of um, uh, doors, for many reasons, have got broken latches, shall we say, and mm. the mums don't know how to fix them. Yeah. And the children go into school and say, My door's got a broken latch. And so they don't have a clue. So it's all about just explaining this is the tool you need, yeah. these are the screws you need, you can fix your front door. Yeah, and if they have to call out, and there are some brilliant call out services now, there's some websites, you know, local traders and all that kind of stuff, but it's still 40 quid an hour. And, you know, if you and can. Some. I know, I know, I know. Uh, right, it's nine o'clock. We've got to move on. What are you laughing at over there, Bassos? Well, I mean, it's a very important book. Yes, CPR. Oh, what's coming next? I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's yes, a very important house book. House fires. House fires. Yes, riptides. Yes, like life. Turns excuse out, me. What do you mean? Yes, life saving. Life saving stuff that have already saved lives. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, and there's still a book coming. <laughs> it turns out you don't. We on a jellyfish sting. I know. That's terrible Sad news. Time. Sorry to take the fun out of it. Yeah. I mean, you can still try. Yeah, unhear that, everyone. Rip out that page of the book. It's one of those old wives' tales. <laughs> you don't pee on a jellyfish, and most people think that's what goes on. Uh, you know what you do need, though? Mm-hmm. A credit card. 
But to pay somebody else to do it. <laughs> Just a little scrape. Take the spines off. Just a little scrape and you're good. Is that um, it? Yeah. Who, who who did you go to to find that out? Oh, it's the Navy Dad again, isn't Navy it? Dad. And then obviously I've, I've consulted the experts, yeah. the NHS and all sorts. And all I, I have, I have fact checked. What do you what have you got planned for this weekend, Miley? What are you up to? Uh, kids that'll yeah. keep me busy. Kids, do you know what? <laughs> I've got a million children like you. I can't, I like can't you. believe actually the same question that really annoys me. I've got five children. What do you think I'm up yeah. to? <laughs> Taxi yeah. service, takeaway service. <laughs> cab all day long. Exactly. All right. Uh, great to see you. Lovely to Thanks see you. Thank you. Applause, Miley the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. From building sites and factory floors to huge audiences on BBC One, our next guest has been on quite a journey. His memoir, Making It, How Love, Kindness and Community Helped Me Repair My Life, is out now. So please sit comfortably on a very well-upholstered chair and listen to the razor-sharp Jay Blaze. All right, Jay. How are we doing? You guys all right? Oh, mate, it's great to have you. No, we're, we're fantastic, actually. That's good. Thank you for that intro. That's quality, man. I know. Nice one. Those intros leave with him today oh what yeah that's not good uh, by the way it's like King Cross Station in here um, don't mind these like, these have been a load of money for Ukraine for auction for Ukraine to be oh, here bless today you. bless um, your cotton socks should nice we have a one. live round of applause for Jay Blake yay Jay, what a story. What a life. And I, I tell me about it. You've still got plenty of it to live, hopefully. Jay Blades, <laughs> MBE, making it how love, kindness, community helped me repair my life. The Sunday Times bestseller already is out now. Yeah. I was reading your book yesterday, and um, I got up to where you were 30, and I was exhausted. I, 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 I felt like I'd been beaten up, unlike you, who had been beaten up. I've been beaten up loads of times. By the, I've been beaten up by the police. I've um, been beaten up by people at my school. Um, but then I just started fighting. So um, it was yeah. constant fighting, yeah. Because so you sort of had to. Yeah, no. Which is I, a terrible thing to say, but it's true, isn't it? No, I had to. Um, it was either, the, where I grew up, is either you become a victim um, and then people pick on you and that's it, that's your life mapped out. And I didn't really want to be a victim. And I started at secondary school protecting all the victims. So people that were being bullied, they used to pay me in um, puddings. I love school dinners. I can't get enough of them. <laughs> um, but only on trifle day. Trifle day, it wasn't a case. It, no one was protected on that day because I didn't like trifle. Um, but they would come to me and say, well, this person's taking my um, pencil case or this one took my money took my glasses and so on and so forth and I'll go with my um, band of merry men and we'll get that stuff back for them by talking, talking about specs they you got a, you're smashing a very cool pair of they are quite they. nice aren't they they're really they sit on your nose you've got a great I've, nose by the way <laughs> thank you that's the first time anybody's ever said that no, to me I've got a nice nose you have got a cool beautiful blimey. aesthetically you have a beautiful face it's, it's oh, beautifully balanced cool blimey what do you want I don't, you want I don't want anything. I'm, but I'm serious. You, I, know, I know you're serious. You what know, are you after? I'm after We're going out tonight? If you like. All right. Go out for the show if you want. Yeah, let's do it. Um, <laughs> uh, I was, I'm reading your book. I'm reading your book. I'm thinking, when is he going to get to working on the telly? And you, it sort of gets mentioned at the end. <laughs> <laughs> um, because you've, you've been on the telly as far as we know, or, or most of us recognise now, only for five years um, from yeah. 2017. You know, yeah. so so late into your 40s, um, TV yeah. came calling, didn't it? Yeah, it's about 40, 46. So um, I've lived a bit of a life until then. And then um, TV's come along, Repair Shop, we started on BBC Two and then moved over to One and then it just went bang. Can we have a round of applause for the Repair Shop? Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. 
it's sort of one of the shows you tell it was made for. We'll get onto that uh, in a bit. But back to your to your childhood. Um, two two phrases that jumped out at me from the book um, from your childhood yeah. uh, was the Ridley Road look. Oh wow! Tell us about oh, that. Blimey. That's I think every person who's been down Wrigley Road with their mums, especially Caribbean mums, they give you this look. We've even had the Wrigley Road look come in um, to the repair shop. There's been a couple of items that people have brought in, <laughs> and they've given Steve the Wrigley Road look. It's that look where it says. Don't mess with me. Yeah. I wait till I get you home. Mum gives you that look. She doesn't have to say anything. Um, but you know you're in trouble. You know you've done something wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And why did she give it you the first time? Look, the first time was basically I asked for something. That's all it was. I said, oh, can I have that? And it was um, a case where I think she didn't have the money. So she felt embarrassed that she couldn't pay for it. Yeah. And then it was in front of some of her friends. And it just she just gave me that look like... Don't ask again. And I never asked again. Simple. Yeah. Uh, um, so fr- from our wives, Russ and I, we often talk about the death stare. The death stare. Which is the sort of, um, <laughs> that's the, per- your, yours is the parental version. This is the yeah. partner version, the partnership version. But we also, we do get it from Rachel yeah, sometimes. she does a good Wow. Stare, yeah. Ray, are you joking? Not from Rachel. Look at that. She Somebody needs to keep them in line. Okay. Yeah. I understand. See, now she's raising her eyebrow, which is the, <laughs> the beginning of the overture to the death stare. And actually, Jay, by saying that, you you were nearly on the, on the wrong end of a death I would, stare. I would, I would, <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, and the other phrase that comes out isn't so much a phrase; it's more of an acronym. Yeah. Uh, T M W C T M B, and you say in the first chapter, um, "Forgive me for this, but you're going to be hearing a, mo- a lot more about this character." What do those letters stand for? That, those letters stand for the man that contributed towards my birth. Now, I'm a great believer. If there's a mechanic that doesn't fix cars, you can't call him a mechanic. So anybody who wants the title as my father or my dad has to live up to that kind of has example. Has to do the dad bit. He has to do the dad bit. So he hasn't done that. So the only thing he's done really is contributed towards my birth. And yeah. that's the way I see it. But he did reappear, didn't he, um, from yeah. time to time in your childhood for various different reasons, which you talk about. Yeah, he did right. reappear. And he reappeared lately as well. Um, called me up. He had the audacity to say that all the success that I've had is down to him. And I said, really? How did you work that one out? Yeah, how did that go? That yeah, I, was, I was like, how did you work that? Well, I'm a carpenter and I've done... I said, I didn't even know that. I said, the one thing I must applaud you for, what you've taught me, is how not to be a father. So thank you for that. Um, and I bid you good day. And that was it. Put the phone down. Okay. Yeah. Good for you, pal. Yeah. Uh, reading was a no-go, um, yeah. which is ironic because you have a book out. Um, but <laughs> yeah. you talk about how the book came to be and how you, you know, because my um, little boy, uh, one of my little boys, you know, he was challenged by reading. Right. And thank goodness we've overcome it due to this amazing um, uh, uh, organisation called the Key Clinic. It's about unlocking these things called retaining reflexes, which can often lead to uh, dyslexia, um, which you might want to know about, actually. Because okay, cool. uh, it can yeah. stay with you for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, but, but you ended up going to university. <laughs> Uh, but you couldn't tell them yeah. or you didn't want to tell them um, that you couldn't read uh, and I'm fast forwarding here but yeah, there's yeah, so yeah. much in the book there's it's a lot. so so there's good just speak to that that experience well, but basically university I met someone when I was doing some volunteering in the community and she was a really intelligent lady and I said to her well how come you're so intelligent and she said to me oh, I've been to university so me and my naive self thought if I go to university I'm going to get intelligence full stop I'm going to come out brainy I didn't know that I had to read a book um, when I went there they said to me oh you have to write a letter um 
to see if you can come in. So I went to the library, tapped in um, on the internet and asked for acceptance letters. So I had a letter, there's loads that came up, but there was one that jumped out at me and a woman was reading it to me in the um, library. It was a guy that was living in Brooklyn that wanted to go to Harvard. So he wrote all this stuff and then he got an acceptance. Um, So what I did is I copied that letter. I took out Brooklyn and I put in High Wycombe and then I added in um, High Wycombe University and I got an unconditional offer. And then when I got to university, <laughs> the first um, the first day I was being taught by this professor of criminology, and basically he was teaching like you wouldn't. Everything he was saying was go over going over me. Yeah, I didn't yeah. really understand it. So um, I'm looking around the lecture fair. Everybody's scribbling away. So I asked this girl beside me, "Do you understand what he's saying?" She says, "No, I'm just writing. I'm just writing these key points." And I'm like, "But." He's supposed to teach us, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. And she's like, yeah, 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 but just write, just write. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not having that. So I put my hand up and he goes to me, oh, well, do you want to go to the toilet? I said, no, no, I just want to understand. I don't get what you're talking about. I think you've got the teaching ability of a peanut. So I think you need to dumb it down for us. We've just started it. And he gave me, I wouldn't say the mum look, <laughs> but he gave me a look that told me, like, you need to shut up. Jay, we're out of time. You're awesome. Oh, bless Real you. pleasure to meet you, pal. Likewise. And by the way, if the producers of Strictly are listening, it's a yes. <laughs> All right, Jay Bates, <laughs> making it. it. How a love kindness community helped me repair my life. Jay Bates, everyone. Thank you. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. We've heard from a bunch of undeniably fantastic guests already, but still to come, the super chef Tom Kerridge gets us excited ahead of this year's Pub in the Park with some bonus killer barbecue super hacks. Rugby union rock star Lawrence Delalio and Spanish cyclist Jose Pereira share all about Delalio Cycle Slam and raising loads of cash for Lawrence's charity Rugby Works. Journalist Oliver Berkman blows our mind with his latest book, 4,000 Weeks, which is about how long we're all going to live. Time management for mortals and Hollywood superstar Mini Driver tells us about maybe the best autobiography I've ever read, her brand new memoir, Managing Expectations. So let's get right back to Dapper Dave for the last time ever before you leave. Who's next? From classic movies with wonderful stops in music and podcasts, she's arrived at her next destination. Books! And she does not disappoint. Her superb memoir, Managing Expectations, is out today, and here to tell us all about it is the most excellent of essayists. It's Minnie Driver! Hello, Minnie Driver! <laughs> Hello. It's been a while, Minnie. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. How are you? Uh, fantastic. We are all in love with A, you, always have been, uh, but B, your book is fantastic. Oh, come on, thank you. No, seriously, we all said the same thing. It's one of the best, if not the best, autobiographies we've ever read. Oh, my God. Honestly. Oh, It's so guys. cool. It's so beautifully written. You know, it's it's prosaic, it's, it's punchy, it's funny, you know, it's concise, it's heartfelt, it's clever. It skips along. Couldn't put it down. Could I, not put it down. I'm honestly about to cry. Like, I am a bit tired, it's, but I'm really, like, that... I, I'm so proud. I know you, you do lots of things, you know, you have many um, um, colours to your rainbow, but you should do this because you're really <laughs> good at it. Uh, it's a great book. It's it's the most original autobiography I've all, also read because of the way you have written it. Let's get on to it. Look, it's so good, everybody listening. Minnie's hair gets its own chapter. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, it's, you know, it lives up to all those pages. You know, my hair is, a, um, it. yeah, I mean, it needs its own podcast, really. It's properly, um, an, uh, you know, it's an extra part of me and always has been. 
Um, it took me a while to wrangle it properly. You learned to accept and uh, embrace your hair. and yes. And uh, it's become one of your signatures, hasn't it? Yeah, and I think that's the whole, that notion of, um, it's so difficult when you're young, allowing for the fact that parts of you are going to evolve that are really awkward and difficult, but they do. And then that evolution brings its own problems and challenges. And it's, you know, I think that's the kind of central thesis of the book is that, nothing's ever really working out but it is it is working out just often how you you know you didn't expect it to well, i think it's just called life isn't it you yes. know um don't be surprised by anything yeah. that happens you know yeah. absolutely there, there may be challenging things that happen but don't be surprised by anything that happens because things happen and therefore don't mind what happens because that's just a waste of time getting in the way with dealing or enjoying what is going on in your life but it's also completely impossible because we get wrapped up in our I we know. get wrapped up in our stories I and the, know. you know the stories that we tell ourselves in our head and that society or partners or school or our work tells us um, and it's kind of unpicking that and unraveling it is is part of what's interesting and, and definitely part of what's very hard. The way you've written your story, you know, it's a romp. I mean, it hits the ground running a million miles an hour. You know, we all know. Come on, we've got to admit it. The first couple of chapters of autobiographies about people's childhoods. Yeah, they are. The more you read autobiographies, and the the more mature you become, the more interesting they are. But how many of us read the last two thirds of an autobiography first but you don't do that with yours it does talk about your childhood but it's like I don't know it's like a a, a, a sort of uh, light fandango uh, high tripping <laughs> drama and you think well somebody's got to make a show about this kid uh, it starts when you're nine then it goes back to when you're six then it just forward to when you're nine again yes yeah I mean lots of interesting things happened to me when I was uh, six and nine and then again when I was eleven um it's funny because I, I, when I tell the stories or I think about the stories, they are like playing films in my head. Yeah. Like they, it's like watching a movie and I see that I see that little girl and she um, she really makes me laugh. Um, but I don't know. Like um, you're right. People talking about their childhoods can often be well. It's like people telling you their dreams. Like yeah. they're really interesting to them. Yeah. But like, Wedding videos. Yeah. Things like. But this isn't like that at all. It's hilarious. It's absolutely one hundred percent hilarious. Now. Your mum and dad, as parents, they come good in the end. But let's face it, for the first couple of chapters, you know, nowadays they wouldn't get through child protection yes. um, uh, guidelines, would they? Yeah, no. They, I mean, we give, would definitely... Give the listeners a sense of what might happen without them having read the book. Well, I did, uh, I did, I did get into an argument with my dad when I was about 11, and, and he lived in the Caribbean, in, in Barbados. Yes. And he was so cross with me, he said I had to leave the house and I had to go back to England. But because there wasn't a direct flight that night he put me on a plane to Miami where I stayed for a day and a night in this hotel called the Fontainebleau Hotel which you know in 1981 in Miami was just as you'd imagine it was a den of iniquity and uh and I you arrived were there 11 I was 11 by myself on your own yes and nobody knows yeah. everybody in the, 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 in the hotel okay where's her mum and dad or her mum or dad or her <laughs> guardian or somebody who's older than 11 and uh, you you got used to saying you you owned it and you said you took over the ages of that no I'm on my own um, my dad has sent me here and I'm fine thank you and can you put everything on, on, on my yeah, dad's account I did I account. ran up his credit card which was my I think my revenge and then I was sort of adopted by a Cuban dissident who is exiled in Miami and sitting in a cabana and I mean I guess things could have gone really horribly wrong but they really didn't and I um I think I established this independence that went on to make me be able to leave 
my lovely home in England and moved 7,000 miles away to California. Like, it was really forged in that, you know, 11, wandering around this crazy pool with people doing all kinds of scary, weird things. Um, your mum said on her deathbed, didn't she, as she was experiencing her own end-of-life care, she says, I know I've been, I'm paraphrasing here, I know I've been a rubbish mum. Yeah. And you said, Mum, you haven't been a rubbish mum. You've had rubbish moments. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That whole, again, the distillation um, when you're dying of, of all those things and maybe helping to just clear those last things away. It was, it, uh, she was always worried about that and being able to have that conversation and go, you are not. You did. You had these rubbish moments like we all do. That's, that's not the totality of a person. Right, you've got to go because you're on This Morning This Morning. Oh, on This Morning This Morning. Which is one of the things we morning. like saying most. <laughs> you uh, really know where you are. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, you do. Especially working on this programme for 100 years. <laughs> Minnie, great to see you again. Chris, thank you. What, thank you so much. What an awesome book. Uh, you've got to get this book in your life. Um, Minnie Driver, uh, her brand new book, Managing Expectations, is published today. Ta-da. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. He's famous for cooking up a storm in the kitchen and he's pretty tasty when it comes to festival lineups too. The proof in that particular pudding is upon us. Pub in the Park Marlowe is back from tomorrow and here to tell us all about it is the Michelin-starred Marlafonia man, Tom Carriage. Yeah, good morning, Tom. There's so much to talk about. How are you, Tom? I'm very well, thank you, mate. I'm yeah, loving the radio show this Chief. Excellent. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, right, tomorrow on the telly, Rob and Ramesh versus restaurants. What happened? <laughs> oh, oh, mate. I mean, th those two guys, I mean, they're incredible. Brilliant, funny, amazing people. Entered into running a restaurant full-blooded like they do. Any challenges that you put in front of them, they, they take it on. But we put them through their paces a little bit. Uh, you might have seen a few of the adverts thrown about where they're carrying um, drinks and plates and stuff. We're running, working with Matt, who's one of our um, senior front of house guys. They have a complete nightmare. It's a car crash. And then we get them into the kitchen. And it's like they're trying to open a restaurant. So it's a big, it's a big call for them. i got to be honest. I won't tell you how it goes. But um, they, they go on a journey is probably the best way of describing it. Did any either of them ha have any natural ability in any um, uh, uh, discipline you put them through? Let's think of a polite way of saying this. Um, Romesh cooked me dinner uh, at his house and it was very, very tasty. There we go. That's about as far as I right. can go with it. <laughs> okay, what about Rob? Anything at all from Rob? Yeah. Um, no. Well, he, followed, <laughs> he followed a recipe with a machine and it kind of, I mean, it kind of worked, but it, it was, there wasn't any heart or soul in it. It was quite, it's good fun though. Is that, I mean, you know what? They're, they're very confident. They're very good with guests. Yeah, no, they are. They're, they've been very good front of house, sort of, wouldn't they? Yeah, exactly. Honestly, top guys. It's on Sky. Incredibly entertaining, brilliantly funny. And I love the two of them to bits. All right. Listen, we've been promised a third um, weekend heatwave. The last two didn't happen and I took a lot of stick for it. I was only repeating what the forecasters had told me, uh, but we, we are hearing and I've, I've double checked, I've triple checked everything here now. Uh, there should be a heatwave kicking in from today, a little bit today, a lot tomorrow and then loads over the weekend for basically all of the UK. Hopefully people will be cracking open their barbecues. Tom, just give us three super barbecue hacks if you don't mind. Honestly, it's a marinade and it's things on skewers. That is by far the best way of doing it because 
You can get them done. Things like a, like a chicken that's been marinated in some yogurt and some spices. Then you can go like Indian style spices or North African spices. Mix it all together in the yogurt. Put chicken thighs. Now, this is the thing. Chicken thighs rather than breast meat, okay? Because thighs have got just that little bit more moisture. They cook deliciously like and low and slow. So stick them onto a skewer with the yogurt mix on it. Leave them to marinate. And then the next day, that yogurt has kind of tenderized the meat. And then you just brush it off just a little bit, not too much, okay? And then grill it on your outdoor barbecue on a medium heat, not high, not so there's the big flames or it's super hot. Medium heat, get it nice charred, beautiful flavors. That yogurt marinade is a brilliant way of, of kind of like tenderizing and bringing flavor. Right, now yeah. one of the best barbecues, this is all serendipitous and segues beautifully into what's happening this weekend across the river from where we both live. One of the best barbecue displays I ever saw was at Pub in the Park last year. Um, rock yeah. and roll barbecues, uh, Pub in the Park uh, taking place again from Thursday, an added extra date. Uh, probably in the part uk.com is where you need to go loads of rock and roll uh, more rock and roll than you can shake a stick stick out by the way you are giving Carfest the run for its money on the rock and roll uh, in the rock and roll lane so, so you know we're happy to sh- for you to share our lane Tom but you know there is there is definitely um, uh, there are turrets and, and um, snipers um, just yeah. on standby should you go too My far friend, I, I consider ourselves like like your, your, your slightly poorer cousin that's probably the best way of <laughs> you we're, say, we're, you... we're in the same family it's yeah. all cool but we... you say that look at the lineup. it's amazing musically anyway so musically people can go and have a look I mean, but it's, it's awesome from Thursday all the way through to Sunday we're talking about Sister Sledge McFly the Faithless and um, uh, Judge Jills and Regan Berman and the Feeling and Hugh Morgan and the brand new heavies and, have, and that's the same like you know 20 out of the, the, the 40 odd you've got going on but tell us about the food because that, that's why people your disciples flock to your to your buffet and your feasting because of who this year well there's so many great chefs obviously at our culture there we're there we've got Paul Ainsworth is there Andrew Perrin is there Steve Terry is there some great great cooks coming and doing some beautiful cookery demonstrations the food that you can buy is absolutely stunning the weather like you say this weekend is going to be incredible there are tickets I think for Thursday Sunday Sunday night Happy Mondays are playing and what a way to finish yeah, yeah, Sunday yeah, yeah. Marlow with Happy Mondays and the, and the brand new heavies. But also last year, like you said, we did this outdoor cookery um, kind of fire pit demo stuff that was going on. And this year we're making it much bigger and better. And it's sitting next to the main kind of like demo chef demo stage where we've got loads of chefs cooking and they're doing normal cooking like you would at home. But then also we're getting them involved in the fire pit cooking. So the understanding of what you can do with flames, what you can do with smoke and coal and how you can cook outdoors. And it creates this wonderful, immersive, exciting experience. And we're so looking forward to this weekend. Yeah, yeah, it's cool, man. I mean, it's, it's really great. And all, because it, it's sort of, it's it's evolved its own atmosphere, Pop in the Park. It's it's rock and roll everything, if you like. It's like a rock and roll food festival. So all the chefs in between what they're doing on stage, you know, or from a professional point of view, they're like hanging out with the, with the musicians or they're going on the boats and so it's just it's just a very cool atmosphere everybody you know is up for a laugh they're in the groove they're sort of working and they're not working you know or they're having fun or they're turning it they're playing with what they do for a living and everybody's enjoying it uh, and it's all the better for being in the sunshine it's just super special congratulations pal it's become a real thing thanks. pub in the park thanks mate it's, it's very you know like Carfest when you know I've been very fortunate to be able to come to Carfest loads of times and when we see you guys there and you're working so hard but at the same time you're having fun and if people at the festival that are working the festival having fun then it kind of flows into the park it flows into the space that all the guests that are turning up 
feel that they're already joining a party. So it just creates this one amazing kind of party atmosphere, and we love it very much. Great to talk to you, mate. Good luck with the build. Uh, I've seen you it. I've witnessed it. It's all going on over the river there. Uh, that's probably the park. UK.com for tickets and all around the country throughout the summer, kicking off this weekend. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. What better way to raise money than hopping on a bike and hurtling around Spain and Portugal? The incredible Delalio Cycle Slam is coming to an end, but there's still time to say wham, bam, thank you, Cycle Slam, to the lycra-clad fundraising superheroes that are Lawrence Delalio and Jose Pereira. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> you sound sore. I am sore. And let me tell you, it's been, a, it's been an epic journey. As you know, I've done this a couple of, for uh, about 12 years now, every two years. And uh, we've been cycling, I don't know, nearly 10 days. Uh, I'd say roughly about 150 kilometres a day. Um, and yeah, all raising money. It's been about 38, 40 degrees, which doesn't help. Um, yeah, I weigh about 18 stone, which definitely doesn't help. Uh, and this young man, uh, who's been part of the programme now for a long, long time, He's only been on a road bike five times in his whole life, and he has completed the most amazing journey. So, uh, well done to, to Jose. All right, let's talk to Jose now. Good morning, Jose. Good morning. How are you doing, Chris? I'm very well. Can you share a, a little part of your life journey with people listening, please, Jose? Yeah, of course. So, um, seven years ago, uh, I first moved to the country, uh, to the UK, uh, with no English whatsoever. Um, and I didn't, I didn't feel like I had the support um, to try and develop myself. However, um, in, a, in a way, I got lucky to be put into a people for a unit, which is where I met. Um, it's where, where I got introduced to Rugby Works. Um, and ever since I've been, I've been connected with them. And they've, they have provided me with opportunities that I, I would have never been able to, to, to really operate. Yeah, to the extent um, that Jose had never played rugby before, but he's now a coach and also has his own multi-million pound sneaker business. Uh, Lawrence, that's all pretty impressive. Um, how, how might that have happened, do you think? Well, listen, it's, I mean, you know, for Jose to arrive in the UK and then to be put in a pupil referral unit in itself tells you everything you need to know about the system in the, in the United Kingdom. Yeah. 65% of everyone in the prison population has been excluded from, uh, from mainstream education and they end up in pupil referral units. And what the programme does, Rugby Works, is obviously introduce uh, Jose and many others to rugby, but it's about giving them self-esteem, building up their confidence, giving them the skills to, to really develop in life. You know, no young people in the UK are born bad. They're just born into what we, you know, chaotic circumstances and very difficult conditions. And, uh, you know, we all need, uh, you know, love, support, help, um, and the and the ability to uh, to make the right life choices. And, and Jose is being very humble, really. He couldn't speak a word of English. Uh, he was put in a pupil referral unit. He didn't know anyone. Um, he got involved in the programme. He's been through college. He's ended up going to university, got himself a degree. Uh, and now he's come on, come on board and started working with us. And uh, I can't tell you how, how inspired and impressed I am with, uh, with his journey. Uh, we work with about a thousand young kids across the UK, in London, but all over. And it's something that really the government need to take far more seriously because, as I said, currently uh, your, your, your chances in life, if you end up in a pupil referral unit, ultimately most of those young men and women end up in prison. Lawrence, um, thank you for everything you're doing, um, A. Uh, B, you know, I'm tempted to say you were a born leader. You've always been a born leader. Do you feel that's been the case? Um, 
a bad born leader. I mean, I, I, I think I, you know, my, my mother, uh, who sadly passed in 2008, you know, she gave me two things in life, really. Uh, unconditional love, which is, um, I mean, I've got children of my own. It's an easy thing to say. It's a hard thing to actually give. Um, and a belief and support system that anything and everything is possible, that you can go out there and conquer the world. And, and if you've got those two things in life, you've got a pretty good start. And I think, you know, that's certainly what, uh, what we try and do with the young people that we work with. Um, and uh, yeah, just, you know, you shoot to the moon, you can, you know, you'll be amongst the stars. Yeah, no, I love that. Uh, through the main programme, the Delalio Scholarship, Rugby for Change and the Duke of Edinburgh Award, uh, you and your charity have helped support hundreds of young people develop and improve their lives for the better. Setting up a charity or, or thinking about setting up a charity is one thing. Doing it is entirely another. How have you found that? Yeah, it is, it is tough. There's no doubt about it. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, I mean, if you're going to put your name above the door and you're going to put your name to something, you know, it's, it's, it's got to be authentic, genuine. You know, when I did a lot of research around the charitable space, there's some amazing charities you know Chris I know you work with many many different charities but not many people working with young disadvantaged excluded young people and the reason why is because it's not very sexy it's not very glamorous and it's pretty tough to get results but you know I don't want these young men and women to be um, you know society's forgotten young people you know I'm, I'm very passionate about that and I know how much sport played such a big role in turning my life around uh, after I lost my sister on the Marchioness in, in 1989 and certainly Jose is a shining example of how the programme has turned his life around as well. So uh, with the support of, uh, of all of you guys out there, you know, the charity can grow and grow. And every two years I have to get on a bike. As you say, I'm <laughs> not really built for, really for climbing mountains, but we all do it. Um, and we raise huge awareness and huge amounts of money. All right. DelalioRugbyWorks.com is where you need to go uh, to find out more and to, to help and support all the amazing work Lawrence and his team are up to. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. He's an author and journalist that's always a welcome distraction, but not too much of a distraction. His book, 4,000 Weeks, Time Management for Mortals, is out now. So it's time to talk about time and how to make a fine time of the finite time you have with the brilliant <laughs> Oliver Bergman. Oliver Bergman is in the house. OK, we talked about 4,000 Weeks when it was available in hardback. It's Beach Read uh, paperback available now. and It's awesome. And he's here in person, which is great because I've never met you in person before. Oliver, welcome come to the 17th floor it's a huge pleasure to be here uh, mate your book is amazing i know you have been the most surprised about how successful it's become <laughs> just tell us about that well i mean you know it's basically about how we're all incredibly finite and there's we have to face death and it's all these topics that are basically kind of potentially pretty full of disappointment and despair but i don't think they are ultimately um so yeah i was assuming that people might not want to but it's spend a, world, a lot of time it's a worldwide bestseller now isn't it it's been a bestseller in a few places yeah. oh mate yeah. congratulations uh let's just cut to the chase here it's very much about the fact you know um with everything we do in our lives um we are paying for it we pay for everything we do with our life on a, on a not minute by minute basis but a second by second basis and also you know virtually parallel with our actions always in our minds right yeah there's all these unlived lives every single moment you're choosing a path uh, from a million potential paths and closing off all the other ones you know ultimately I think this is where I think this is a liberating message because it's so inevitable that whatever we do with our lives we're going to leave all these alternative lives unlived that there's just no point fighting it right it's not like people worry about the fear of missing out as if there was a way of maybe not missing out if you got your time management just right and really pushed yourself. But you're going to miss out on almost everything that you could have done with your life. And I think that's a reason to really throw yourself into the 
life that you do choose. Which is why you've concocted this amazing phrase, Jomo, uh, to go up against FOMO. And by the way, um, you know, it thrashes it with a knockout punch in the first round, in my opinion. <laughs> FOMO, the fear of missing out. Forget that. Jomo, the joy of missing out. Why? Because we have no choice but to miss out on most of everything. Right. And I think that when you really take that on board, it actually makes the choices that you do make kind of more meaningful. If you realise that you're deciding to spend a bit of time with your kids or go and see a particular friend if you realize that when you do that you're spurning all these other things you could have been doing it's like a real affirmation of that choice it's like okay i'm doing this because i care about it and you get to sort of be more present in it and take it more joyfully i think than if you didn't realize and you thought that you know you still had all those other options open for how to use that that portion of time yeah tell us about the wonder of elizabeth gilbert um from a personal point of view and how she might feature in your book four thousand weeks well i think she's a fantastic uh writer and thinker and she's you know she famously wrote the book eat pray love but and a whole lot of whole lot of others and she makes this amazing point that like everyone tells you you've got to learn to say no and that the secret to a sane and balanced life is figuring out how to say no but almost everybody she says, and I agree, secretly thinks that that just means learning to say no to all the things you didn't really want to do in the first place so that you can make enough time for all the things that, that really matter. And she makes this, I think, brilliant point that actually, no, it's a lot harder than that. It means learning to say no to a whole bunch of things that would have been good uses of your time that you did want to do. When I decide to spend the afternoon with my son, say, it's not because some of the other things I would have done with that time were all rubbish they would have been really good meaningful uses of my time too but unfortunately because we're finite and have so little time um and don't live forever um you're gonna have to do that anyway and it's hard but i actually think that once you take it on board it's 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 not really that hard again because there's just no escape from it there's no solution to this so so you can sort of stop beating yourself up for not having found that solution. Yeah, and that is a waste of time within itself, isn't it? We all do it, beat ourselves up. There's all the negative self-talk that goes on. Um, now, we don't have that much time. We have, on average, 4,000 weeks, which is the title of Oliver's amazing book. But that's clock time. You can always, if you like, uh, and I'm a big fan of this, and uh, uh, Oliver definitely is, you can also always go for deep time instead, which is far more enjoyable. <laughs> I think, you know, we all do have these little experiences. They're really thin on the ground these days unfortunately but we do have this experience of sort of entering into some kind of dimension of time where it feels like the clock has stopped where it doesn't feel like there's any pressure on your time you know it happens for some people in beautiful natural landscapes or with a newborn baby or um maybe if you're the kind of person who goes on weird meditation retreats like i have done you can get it in the middle of one of those and it's just this reminder that we don't actually have to live all our time with this sense of like a timeline running alongside us and are we keeping up with it and are we letting those portions pass without having used them productively enough like you have to have a lot of that in any normal modern life I think but it's really useful to just remember that this is kind of a it's a construction we've decided to add this kind of set of this yardstick that, that runs beside our lives and stresses us out and you can just sort of step away from it uh, from time to time right? uh, we got to go now got to wrap this up Oliver but you also speak to the fact that so wisely and so beautifully you know the best way to be a original is to to start unoriginal because <laughs> that's where the real originality comes from and if you get hooked on trying to be original that in itself 
is um, counterproductive. Right. There are all sorts of universal experiences in relationships, in work, in just being alive. That, like, if you are allergic to them because they're universal, and like, I got to be different and special, you'll never get the the value that is that is lying in them. Absolutely. Right. We really have. We're over time. Oliver, you've been amazing, <laughs> mate. Thanks so much. You Thank crack you on. Very Come much. see us anytime you like. Oliver Berkman's uh, paperback edition of the amazing worldwide best-selling Four Thousand Weeks Time Management for Mortals is out now. We'll back tomorrow. Bye bye. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky.